Hello and welcome to the Swift the SBS podcast. Restrictions across the country have made life a little harder for most. One thing I'm thankful for is still being able to train with friends on Zwift any time of the day. Being motivated by the massive community means there's always someone to ride with and new locations to explore, like the new Japan-inspired Mukuri Islands, my personal favorite, and the UCI World Championship courses. Riding with friends makes the training easier and they always know how to push me. Visit Zwift.com and I'll see you on there soon. Right on. Bonjour, bonjour, buenas tardes, and uh, welcome to the Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Uh, before we start, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to this podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash cyclingcentral, or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Joining me is Dave McKenzie. How are you, Dave? Uh, I'm not very happy, actually. Why? Yeah, well, two nights ago, I bought a nice big block of Manchego yeah. cheese. It's like a little mouse has just been nibbling away. It's almost all gone. Not Mate, me, not me, not I'm me. I'm telling you, you might be French, and I know you're all you're all posh and fancy with your cream cheeses, but. Mate, the Manchego is mine, off limits. I didn't like it anyway. <laughs> You're lying, I can tell. No, I'm good. Otherwise, I'm good. Other than that cheese, I'm good. Another blister, another day, another blister, as they say in a Grand Tour. Another and day and another French win. Another yeah, day and another French win. You are puffing the chest out. And just a bit. You know what? It's good. And we're going, to, we're going to dive straight in because yeah. it was a brilliant victory overnight. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, let's look back at the first, kilo, uh, the last, not the first, the last kilometre of this stage with the win from Romain Bardet. Take us through. Yeah, look, it was, I mean, he'd been in the early breakaway. They went up to 12 minutes. This was Jay Vine and Hadada. Jay Vine, and we're going to talk more about that. You can see the numbers off the jersey, crashed. Kofidis were on the attack, the red jersey. He was riding super smart, odd Christian Iking. But it was all about this man, Roman yeah. Bardet, wasn't it? It was a brilliant, brilliant victory. I'd always thought he was going to get the better of this group. And you know what? We'll talk a lot more about Roman Bardet in, in the, the, the minutes to come, but uh, it changes everything, I think, for Roman Bardet because now he validates the move he's made with this new team and he looked so relaxed. Yeah, in yeah. Win. Look, it was validated, I think, anyway, but this is now absolute confirmation. And there's a lot more to talk about just than the win, just the little things that were said post-stage. So he crossed the line solo. And then, of course, coming in uh, for second was Hadada. He got the better of Jay Vine. But the story of Jay Vine <laughs> is one of yeah. disbelief. Can I say that? Yeah, it's a good word, disbelief, it's, actually. It's, it, is, it was amazing. It but was amazing yes. that he got back. And st stuff happened in that stage yeah, yeah. after a crash. And we'll dissect all this in a second. But uh, it, went, it was all about Roman Bardet, the happiness of that team. Uh, really well worth... Uh, a look at how he's, he's, he's won that stage. But also, let's remember, it's his first uh, win outside of France, I think, in a, first, in first a Grand Tour. In a Grand Tour, yeah. yes. He had a win at uh, Vuelta Burgos. Um, but yes, Grand Tour. This is huge. And this, I think, gives him self-confidence that he, he's made the switch. And you can see there, he's hugging the, the press officer. This is all, they're all, you know, yes, he's been with them for the season, but he's still getting to know them. And yeah. the fact that he's, he started his pro career with AG2R, so you get so comfortable with the people around you and you can see now he's already settled in. Yeah. And, you know, he's their marquee rider. He's probably the highest paid rider. 
So at some point they expect a big result. Yes, he had a top ten in the Giro, but a stage win. This is this is worth more. Yeah, hundred percent. It's the Vuelta. It's considered the third, but it's still worth more. And he, he opens up so much, so many opportunities for for next year and the years to come. Yeah. Uh, let's listen to uh, Roman Bardet. That was straight after the win, and then we'll dissect all this. Roman, it looked from the steep climb that this stage was going to be yours. How have you played it uh, tactically after that? Yeah, uh, honestly, I really took it, uh, yeah, climb by climb because uh, I had a feeling that, uh, yeah, no one really wanted to to commit in the in this breakaway. So I really had a hard time to to catch the the winner and uh, to catch the the men uh, in front of the race. I mean, but yeah, in the end, uh, I think uh, we really played it uh, smart with uh, with Matt, my sport director. He told me exactly when I have to attack on the steepest and like if the finish was just a 200 meter away. So I give it a, a good go. Uh, I open a gap and then uh, I just commit to the finish. You have had some uh, hard times in uh, this Vuelta before with crash and uh, injured knee. Have you found uh, yourself today? Yeah, the legs were, were okay. I think uh, oh, everyone is a bit tired, but uh, at the moment the spirit is also really super high in the team. We already had two stage win. Uh, Multiple podium with uh, Alberto, and everyone is very, very focused. And I'm so happy to be part of uh, such a good group of lads. We are already enjoying ourselves. We put the yeah, we try just to do our best every day, and it's already the third stage win for the team. So it's an amazing Vuelta. It's an amazing Vuelta for the team. We remind everybody the the two wins of Michael Storer uh, earlier on in the race. Uh, you know, one thing you said to me when we watched this in a, in a pre-production is how relaxed he is yeah. and how, you know, there's a certain demeanor about him that just, I, I mean, he's losing confidence, he's getting more confidence in the team, in the whole environment of the team. Mate, do you think I can tell what he's thinking <laughs> with that mask on his face? I have no idea. I just made it up to make you feel it's better. It's all in the eyes. It's all in the eyes, my car. All no, in the he eyes. Is. He is. You can tell he is. He's... He's just enjoying it. He's and look, we all said it, and he's not the only rider. There's probably a few others like, that just aren't coming to mind at the moment that have been in these sort of one team since the start of their career. Yeah. And sometimes you need a shake up. We all do, you know. Sometimes in our life, you've been in the same job for a while. You need a shake up, and you need to move on, and you get reinvigorated. And that's what it feels like a bit with Roman Bardet. And he, he skipped the tour this year. You know, yeah, the, the one that's so dear to his heart, and um, he's having some success outside. So it's good. And I can't wait for him to come back with a vengeance at this Tour de France. I think France. he will. I think he will. Remember, Eventually. he finished yeah. second at yeah. some point yeah. on the Tour de France. Yeah. And I hope from the bottom of my heart that he can go one step further. Look, he, we talked about the confidence in the team. And he, he said in the interview that his, his, the call were from the DS were yes. just on point, spot on, exactly what he's expecting. Uh, and exactly what he's expected in English, by the way, not necessarily in French. Yes, but yes, you yes. Know what? Why don't we take you guys inside the car? Let's go inside the car and let's listen to those calls that Romain Bardet said were on point. Doing this together, come on. We push, 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 push. Go, 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 Roman. Go, go, go. This is brilliant. Come on. You've cracked them. You've cracked them all. Come on, Roman. We go all in, mate. We go all in. Come on. We recover in the flatter kilometers and then we push on again in the harder ones. It's in pieces back here. This is brilliant. This is really, really good, Roman. You deserve this. We commit to the finish. Come on. Right, 
38 seconds, two chasers now, Vine and Harada. Come on, Roman, all the way to the finish, go all the way, come on, mate. 44 seconds, come on, push, 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 push. Still 44 seconds, enjoy this one, Roman. <laughs> well done, Roman, really, really good work, well done. Absolutely phenomenal. Really good work. Those moments, you know, you listen to this. When imagine you're in the race, imagine you're back in the race. You listen to this. What's your feeling? I am actually destroying everybody else. Yeah, <laughs> and, and and this time he was telling the truth. Yeah, you know when he was selling some candy to yeah. one of his team riders the other day, when actually it wasn't looking good. <laughs> Come on, you, you, you're you're going to win, and then he says, I don't think he's going to win. <laughs> um, no, nah, you look. Bardet's been in this position before at the biggest stage, so uh, it's not new to him. Yeah, but it would have felt special in new colours. And, and yeah, and the fact that he, he, like you said, he made that mention of the director saying the perfect time to attack. He's got trust. He's got trust already in, yeah. in, in, in management. And that's the important point yeah. uh, for Bardet. This is what he was lacking and missing after so many years yeah. in this other team. Okay, Jay Vine. We've got to talk about Jay Vine because this is the other story of the day. Uh, Jay Vine made an incredible recovery after a crash. So let's have a look at the crash itself. Uh, this is how it happened. Tell us how it happens, actually. Well, he, he looks like his handlebars just sort of hit the side of the car and knocked him or he's hit a bump in the road. We'll probably never know and he might not know. Would you Look at the replay there. Yeah, it's like he's hit a bump. He's, he's just, he's lost his steering or he's got a bit of speed wobble and look, he, he said he felt a bit embarrassed by it and everyone, of course, on social media said, mate, don't be silly. It was, you know, we're just happy that he was okay. Mm -hmm. The aftermath of it um, because at first all we saw was the aftermath yeah. and then they showed us the replay in the live um, and we thought, Matt Keenan and I thought, he is not getting up and we kept we kept waiting for the abandonment sign yeah. to pop up on the screens. It never did. We were scouring social media. Nothing came out and then, I don't know, 20 minutes later, 30 minutes later, Matty Keenan starts screaming. <laughs> he doesn't, he wasn't <laughs> screaming but he's like, Jay Vine's made it back and well, I thought, Matt Keenan has gone bonkers. David said something which I was feeling as well when I listened to you guys. I've never seen two commentators be absolutely so shocked with what happened oh. on that crash and then then him being back in the breakaway. Well, I, I could have lived with it that he got back up and, and groveled in 20 minutes behind. Yeah. You know, cyclists are tough. We know that. But he made it back to the break and then suddenly was in the fight yeah. for the stage win. Yeah. You know, it was... He, we've already said he's special. We've been singing his singing his praises throughout this first thirteen days, but we saw it. He's made of metal, yeah. and I don't mean literally. <laughs> I mean he's made of toughness. Yeah, big heart. But if he keeps falling like this, he might actually be made in metal at some point. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want this. Yeah, we don't. <laughs> not too much metal. Half of my shoulder is. So <laughs> I can talk. Good. No good. No good. Uh, I'm still feeling the pain. Yeah, okay. I'm yeah. not liking it anyway. Uh, but yeah, overall, Jevine, we keep being impressed by him. But you, as an ex rider. Stupid question, but I'm going to have to ask it. How far can he go? Can he, can he really win a stage in this Vuelta? And would that be a, the, the success that we actually wish him, him for this Vuelta? Yeah, he can. Based off last night, the fact that he got back, he'll be, he'll be stiff and sore this morning, their time, yeah. when he gets up for the stage so now, today, tonight. So, so yeah, he'll be, he'll be a bit stiff and sore because you get going on the bike, your body, you, you loosen it up, actually, yeah. and it's not until afterwards. But 
Look, he'll have great support, physios, ice. They'll be doing everything to sort of get the swelling down. Might take him a few days yeah. to come good. But look, the fact that he got back and raced hard. Look, Bardet, two days after his nasty crash, helped Michael Storer yeah, win true. the first stage. Was yeah. in the break. So he absolutely can win a stage. Yeah. 100%. Okay. If we move on a bit, what is with crushes and breakaway? Well, you that, normally don't crush. That's why the stage yeah. was mad. Yeah, yeah. So this was 10 kilometers after this one. This was another another yeah, story. Yeah, Sepp Van Mark, and he got he tried to make it around the corner. Uh, one of the other guys in the breakaway, uh, Navarro, in fact, the Spaniard, completely overcooked it. I'm not sure what Navarro. Let's have a look again. Was thinking. Let's watch it again. Look at this. It's effectively a hairpin bend. Navarro is going straight ahead. Sepp Van Mark saved Navarro. Yeah. From going off the edge. Yeah. That was insane. But again, from a breakaway. And that's quite rare. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. quite rare. Yes, it is. Very rare that you crash in a break. Yeah. Um, look, a descent is different because, you know, you, you, you're going at speed. And they just didn't know how much these corners turned on themselves. But, yeah, um, yeah. They, they look, from all accounts, they all survived, got up. So mm -hmm. that's the good news. Absolutely. And then if we go uh, a bit further down the, the, the finish of that, of that stage, uh, we had the same man in red that we had yesterday. He kept the red jersey, Odd Christian Aiken. Bit of a surprise because he was under attack by Kofidis. And about 6K to go, I think, at the end of the stage, Kofidis went on and tried to put Martin in the red yeah of course it didn't work out. why did that not work because that was quite a good move uh, because, but just... yeah it was worth a try the tempo was too high uh yumbo visma i think it was in movistar at that point yeah you don't think the tempo looks high um yeah. certainly sitting from the couches <laughs> when we watch it you don't uh, and even i forget these days but um no what what we then began to realize was that they were setting a pretty solid tempo because they got a bit of a gap yeah but it's all it's all about you know, the science now, the guys attack, Kofidis attack, they suddenly go up to 400 watts or whatever they are. Yumbo Visma or Movistar are sitting at these certain watts and they know they can only maintain that for about 400 metres. Yeah. And then they're going to stop, they're going to sit there, we'll, we'll maintain these wattage and we'll bring them back and yeah. that's what happened. Okay. Let's listen from a, the a leader of the race, leader of the Vuelta 2021 for at least another day. It's Odd Christian Aking. How much have you suffered to come here with the red jersey? I suffered uh, quite a lot in the end. I, uh, I felt it was under control uh, most of the day and I hoped uh, it wouldn't be too hard in the final climb. Uh, and uh, yeah, it wasn't too steep always, so I gambled by sitting, tried to stay as much as possible in the wheel. And Guillaume Martin, he, uh, which is my closest rival, second in GC, he, uh, he tried to attack, but uh, yeah, I, I knew it was uh, a lot of wind and a lot of headwind. So like I said, I gambled to stay in the wheel and uh, it worked out today. When did you realize that uh, you were on a good path for keeping the jersey? Uh, when we passed 3K to go, I uh, had a really good feeling uh, that it was gonna, it was gonna work out. Your experience today, does it make you think that uh, you can go till the rest day with the red jersey? It is possible, it is possible. It depends how the race uh, uh, well, it will be tomorrow. Uh, certainly, my uh, my legs feel quite good, so uh, it's definitely possible. Yeah, this attack. 
And then I don't know if you've noticed, but there's a, like a dude coming in with her, taking the photo. And our next guest, I'm sure she would she never would do that. She would never do that. She She's would never such do a that. pro. <laughs> yes. Uh, Look forward to this. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. But uh, before we, uh, we we talk to her, uh, let's just focus on on odd Christian aching. Yeah. Uh, are you surprised he's still in red? And from what you saw, he's riding cool as a cucumber. How f- uh, will he actually bring this to the rest day? Or tonight will might be difficult then again for him. I think no. I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised because he's shown that he's got some form. Obviously, you yeah. don't get a red jersey. They don't. You don't grab it out of your cereal packet in the morning. <laughs> I hope you have to fight for those things. Um, actually, actually, funny you said this. You got I, one. <laughs> <laughs> you want one? <laughs> no, but uh, funny you said this because at the end, he, and you made a very good point when. Uh, Old Christian was like, okay, uh, remind me to buy five jerseys. Yes. Uh, so it shows a bit of a character of yeah, the guy. You remember like, five d- minutes after the finish, he's he, telling his, his press or soigneur, remind me to buy red yeah. jerseys. And mate. he's not expecting them to get for free. So you don't actually get them in a cereal box. I would. <laughs> I'd be saying to the old guys, hey, I'm leading your race. Yeah, come on. Give me, give me a few jerseys. <laughs> um, he will take it to the rest day. And I believe he can finish top 10 overall. Okay. That I would believe be, he can. That would I be think a massive he's result. riding really well. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Very good. Absolutely. Okay, let's welcome our next guest. And uh, I believe, Maka, I probably annoyed her more than I annoyed you. That, that is, is definitely possible. That is definitely. I actually, both of us possibly have annoyed her over the years. Yeah, we'll uh, let her be the judge of We'll that. ask her, actually. Uh, welcoming all the way from Spain is Phoebe Hames uh, from the Astana team. How are you, Phoebe? I'm well, thanks, Christophe. Hey, Dave. How are you going? I'm we're good thank you now look we thought it's uh we had to speak to you because we haven't had you on the pod before and on a a slightly serious note I think at the moment and correct me if I'm wrong up until a couple of years ago there were only two Australian women uh working in the role that you do you're head of marketing and communications at Astana uh Taryn Kirby as a good friend of yours was with uh, the Green Edge squad I think you're the only one now. Is that correct? Yeah, actually, it must be. Yeah, Taryn and I were the only two Australian women really in in the world tour, at least in, in the press roles. And, yeah, now I think I'm the only one with Taryn having moved back to Australia. Yeah. So how, how is life inside the peloton for you? Uh, you've been at BMC. You, so you work with a, with a few Aussies there. You went, uh, you went to CCC and now you are with uh, Astana Premier Tech. Uh, this is your life. But how, how is your life inside the peloton? Yeah, I mean, it's great. I'm, I'm very fortunate uh, to live this life. It's now been six years, really. And as you said, I, I started with BMC back in 2016 and we had such a strong Australian connection there with, with Alan Piper and Richie Port and, and Rowan Dennis and, and then Miles Scottson and Gero and everyone. So it was a really great introduction to, to cycling. And now, yeah, six years later, I've moved on to Asana Premier Tech. And I mean, I have to say, obviously, COVID has changed certain things, but it's really good to see cycling just getting on with it, really. And, you know, we're, we're over here. It's it's not the same without SBS, I have to say. You know, the last two Tour de France without you oh, guys there. Thank but, you. But for the rest of the, you know, it's, it is sort of business as usual with a few adjustments. And, and it's we're quite privileged to say that, I think, because, you know, obviously we see what's happening in Australia right now. And and we're lucky to, to be over here and, and still racing and, and getting on with it. And, yeah. And so how how has it, no doubt, your role you've had to adjust your role as well. What have been the really hard things to do through these last two years with COVID in terms of you sort of, you know, putting the team front and centre and, and their sponsors and, and making sure that, that you're keeping the sponsors happy? 
Yeah, exactly. And in my role, I'm, I'm head of marketing and communication. So I am in charge of, of the day-to-day -day liaison with our sponsors and making sure we're generating as much um, exposure as possible. And there have been some big changes at the races. And I think um, from the media point of view, the biggest one has been that we only have mixed zones now at the, the start and finish. So media are only allowed to be in these areas. Uh, which is both a, a good and a bad thing. I think from the, the general level of organisation, it's probably easier for the riders. They know they go to the team presentation, they do their interviews there. They won't be hassled, you know, hassled at the at the buses anymore. And um, you both would remember, you know, what it's like at the Tour de France. You have to decide, do you stay at the, the finish line? Do you run to the bus to try and get the rider you need? You might miss it. You know, there's there's a level of chaos that doesn't exist anymore. Uh, but from from that perspective, I don't miss that. you don't <laughs> I miss it. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I don't miss it. <laughs> I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. I mean, I have to say, it it certainly made my job easier in in that sense. Then on the other hand, um, there are things that people probably don't think about. For example, now that media can't come to the buses, we can't do interviews there. That means our sponsors don't get the exposure that they were getting from interviews done, you know, for the the race start or finish. So things like that. So we're, I guess, always trying to figure out ways to to still um, increase that level of exposure despite the changes that COVID has brought upon us. But like I said, for the rest, you know, you, you look at the racing that's happening out, the, the Vuelta, it's great to see that there are fans back on the roadside. It's just as hot as it always uh, has been, ridiculously hot really. And, and yeah, it's it's just good to see the racing happening. Yeah, yeah that's how I used to keep fit. That's what I said. So, <laughs> you I, used to keep fit. Yeah, I used how to keep fit. Well, by running into the oh, buses. Running from the, I know. Well, you know that you have those step counters I know. on your phone. But they were getting crazy. Yeah, know? yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, um, can we just let's go back a step if we can? Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. I think the first time I met we met was in Villas Britneur. Uh, I can't. Yeah. I can't remember the exact year. You will remember. You will remember uh, that day, I guess, because I. Yeah, and you had a, you had a fair bit to do with the planning. How did you end up in cycling? Do you do you was your family involved in cycling? How did you end up getting involved in cycling? Tell us about that. Yeah, it, it, I guess it's a combination of of luck and being in the right place at the right time. But I'm from Adelaide, so I grew up every January going to the Santos Tour down under, and my my dad and my sister did triathlons on a you know amateur level, and I, I guess there was always this interest in cycling and probably since the time I was, you know, 10 years old, every July I'd be up watching and watching the tour. And then I went on to study journalism and international relations at, at university. And I actually just volunteered to yeah, volunteered at the tour down under in 2013, it would have been. Um, and then went on to do an internship with them. And then they offered me a job in, in the PR department of the, the government body who runs the Santos tour down under. Um, but I really always wanted to work for a team and, you know, even though you, you make a lot of good connections working there at the race, no one really believes you'll pack up and, and move your life over to Europe um, just on your word. So, yeah, in 2014, I packed up my life and moved to Paris and, and hoped to get something with the team and was in touch with a few contacts. And it wasn't until the next year, really, um, so after I, I saw you in Villa Brittano, that um, BMC reached out or we had been in contact and said we may have something for you and then it just goes from there and yeah now six years later it's 
still happening. So yeah, I'm still yeah, you, you know, picked a terrible city. You yeah. picked a you picked a shocking city to move to. Yeah, uh, coming from a come I'm on. The, I'm, not, I'm talking to a Parisian here. I'm not even envious. No. <laughs> you, you two can go speak dialect if you want. I'm sure we can do an interview in French for SBS as well. Hey, quick question. When the, the whole uh, CCC uh, end of life, I guess, story mm -hmm. happened, we were all thinking about you and what is Phoebe uh, going to do. And, and how, how tough was that time for you? Or, or did you know, because it was early in, in the year that we knew the team was packing up, did you, uh, did you have enough time to you know, move on? You know, how, how was that that story yeah. for you? It, yeah, yeah it, it's, it, it was an interesting time. And obviously in a, a normal year when a, a team is, is folding or is looking for a sponsor, that's one thing, but COVID complicated things even more. And we found out, I mean, last year's season was, was obviously later in the year. I think it was around the end of the tour. So August, September, uh, we knew that the team wouldn't continue. And I had various conversations going on with, with other teams, um, but I was also pretty adamant that I, I, as much as I love working in this sport, I didn't want to take a job for the, the sake of having a job, which, again, is, is a very privileged um, position to be in. Um, and so I decided to actually to wait and just see what was happening. And I was exploring options outside of cycling, and I thought, okay, if, You know, if this is my time up in cycling, then I've had a great five years. And um, all of the opportunities I had at the time just didn't really feel right. So I actually came back to a, came back to Australia for, for Christmas and did my two-week stint in hotel quarantine and, and came back. And then I was still just exploring options, but also, I guess, was quite happy to have a couple of weeks of downtime after not really stopping for, for five years. And um, in January, I yeah, was, was making the call, okay, I'll probably head back to Europe, see what I can do, or at the very least, pack up my life and move back to Australia. And um, in the end, I guess waiting actually worked out for me because this role at Astana Premier Tech didn't come up until mid to end of January when the, uh, the guy who was in this role before had been given an opportunity elsewhere. So, um, and, and I mean, I'm, I'm very honest when I talk about it because Astana was not a team that would have been top of my list at, at the time last year because I hadn't ever really given it much thought. Um, but then at the time when I was able to speak to the managing director of the team, you know, really f find out a lot more about the team. And I thought it was a really good opportunity. And I went from being head of communications at CCC to head of marketing communications now so it was a good opportunity to move more into that marketing and sponsor uh, area of, yeah. of cycling as well that's, wow. that's really good yeah look we're gonna not put you on the spot but we're gonna do uh well we are we're putting her on the spot <laughs> <laughs> a bit part of your job uh, let's listen to alexander vlaslov and then we'll talk about the team straight after sure. that coming close to the end of the second week how do you feel mentally ah mentally it's normally free <laughs> Uh, like on the start because uh, I know that one week to go and uh, now I need to be uh, not relaxed uh, and uh, just to continue right day by day. Do you feel that you can have an impact on the race or it's uh, only Roglic and Mas who can decide? Yeah, I don't know. I think the race is still open because uh, there is a, uh, important stages uh, to come and uh, a lot of can change. 
There you go, Alexander uh, Vlasov. Hey, we didn't have to run after you to get this interview, so that's one point. Uh, but, but secondly, you know, more generally, how are the boys are going? Uh, how's the race so far for, for the team? Yeah, we've we've had a lot of bad luck, I have to say, so far. We've lost three of our Spanish riders, uh, Oscar Rodriguez, Alex Aramburu, and Omar Fraile, to crashes. So we're down to five at the moment. We also had Luis Leon Sanchez crash pretty heavily on stage 12, and yeah. He's still in the game now, um, but I have to say it hasn't been the, the the best Grand Tour for us so far. On the other hand, though, we have Alexander Vlasov, who's sitting in 11th at the moment on GC. I think the guys are, are good and, you know, it's such a cliche inside thing to say day by day, day by day. But, I mean, I, I think it is day by day, especially when you see the, the stages at the moment, the heat that the guys are dealing with. Um, you know, today's a, a tough stage, but next week just looks brutal. So... I'll be interested to see, you know, the guys, they're, they're hanging in there. I think everyone is just hanging in there, to be honest, at the, at the moment, not just with the Stana Premier Tech, but the whole peloton, you know, the guys haven't raced in, in heat like this more or less for, for more than a year because obviously last year's Vuelta was in October, November, and they were dealing with the other end of the spectrum. And I, I mean, I'm back home in Barcelona now, but I was at the, the race this week and stages 11 and 12 were just ridiculously hot and you know that's coming from an Australian who's used to the the dry heat of 45 degrees every January for the tour down under and and I, even I was saying that so the guys are good I think uh, I think Alexander Vlasov is just sort of chipping away you know day by day kind of flying under the radar limiting time loss and and seeing what will happen but I also think he's going in there with not the world of pressure on his shoulders either which is which is a nice position to be in yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, um, what um, what language do you communicate to the riders? Are you are you mixing? Because I know your 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 French is excellent. I'm presuming you speak pretty good Spanish these days, and your English isn't bad either, even though you're <laughs> yeah. from Adelaide. Um, but what language are you speaking? Do you speak in a different in a variety of languages mm. to them? Well, yeah, as you said, my English isn't bad. My French is is pretty good. My Spanish is is not bad. Um, I mean, I, I certainly understand more than I can speak, but this is, it's an interesting question. I mean, here at the race, we had um, six, six uh, Spanish riders and then Alexander, who's, who's a Russian and uh, Nuri Natarov, who is Kazakh. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I speak in Spanish with, with most of them or a mix between Spanish and English, but it's, it's the same with the staff. I mean, I'm one of uh, three native English speakers in the entire team. That's writers and staff combined. So probably, you know, 80, 90 people. Um, we speak Italian a lot. Um, I'll speak French with, you know, often French could be the the mutual language between one of my Russian colleagues and myself. So it's an unusual um, mix, but yeah, really we, we get by communicating in whatever language we can and that can be a, a mixture of it. But it, it's quite refreshing, I have to say. It, it's really nice from from the language point of view to be increasing my language skills, um, just given there's so many different languages spoken in the team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, um, just to digress slightly, and this is possibly putting you on the spot um, uh, because I know you work purely in the men's side of the sport, Women's Tour de France starts next year. Um, we've, we've seen there's sort of been a real push, not just in women's cycling, but, you know, equal rights, equal pay for women across mm-hmm. the world. Do you keep sort of one eye on what's happening on the women's scene? And, you know, 
do you think do you think it's heading in the right direction? Uh, do you think it's good? Do you think there can be a different approach that they can sort of um, elevate women's cycling? What, what's your take on it? Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, I, I certainly do try and keep an eye on it as much as possible. Um, not having a women's team with us this year obviously means I'm, I'm not as involved in um, in the women's side as as what I would be if we, we had teams in both men's and women's categories. But I do think it's heading in the right direction. I think the women's Tour de France will be a game changer. And I think it's, yeah, there's certainly the level of, of interest there. I mean, it's a bit like the, the women's AFL, you know, you, I, I've seen posts recently about uh, about how well uh, women's AFL is doing and there is the interest there. And it's the same with cycling. I mean, it, it's just about increasing the visibility of it because this is the, the biggest problem really with women's cycling is that you can't always watch it. And if it's not easy to watch you, and you really have to try hard to to follow it, to watch it, then you're going to lose that that fan base. So I think it is heading in the right direction. Like anything, there's always more that could be done. Um, what that is, well, I guess it, as anything, it always comes down to money, doesn't it? And uh, yeah. and you know, the thing about cycling is that it's not a, a cash-rich sport. Uh, teams aren't making money. Um, we're not we're not Formula One, where any money that comes in from sponsors is just to keep the teams, you know, I guess uh, above above uh, water. So. I think, yeah, it is heading in the right direction. I think there's been a really, you know, a good level of, of uh, increase in visibility and, and yeah, women's Paris-Roubaix this year as well will be really, really good to watch. And then, of course, the Women's Tour de France next year, which, yeah, it's about time, really. Yeah, And actually, quick question on this before we conclude. Uh, do you think here in Australia the, the the tech on women's cycling is is big? It's huge for us. It's it's been you know, SBS has been pushing this, of course, but it, it's it's a mm -hmm. huge you know it's a, it's a huge market opening up for for everyone in Australia. Is this received the same in Europe, in France, in Spain, anywhere else? Is there a good tech on? Is it you, you do you feel as well? It's it's bubbling in Europe as well. Yeah, it, it's a difficult question to answer because I do think that uh, Australia does so well to, to push that equality in sport and also Australians just tend to love sport in general and will watch whatever they can get their hands on. I, th I certainly think there is a, a high level of interest and, and especially if you go to, to Belgium, to the Netherlands, um, you know, yeah, obviously France as well, where cycling has been so embedded in the, the culture and the, the history of those countries. It is difficult to say, though, whether the general population is as invested. I mean, you know, a race like the Tour de France, as you know as well, Christophe, half the people watch it as well just to see the landscapes, not necessarily because they're diehard cycling fans. So I think there's, there's that element as well, and, and hopefully we'll see really strong, um, you know, crowd numbers and, and broadcast numbers as well for the Women's Tour de France and, and other races. And remember, it's four weeks in the Tour de France uh, next year, not three, because three weeks for the men, one week I for the women. I'm going to spend four days. weeks with you. Yeah, I know you. Hopefully, four. yeah. Hopefully. I wasn't told be that, happy, mate. Be happy, mate. I wasn't told <laughs> that. No, no, hang on. We're going we're gonna to talk about this. <laughs> Phoebe, it's been brilliant to, uh, to have you on the podcast. We, we were wanting to talk to you about all this uh, since uh, way up last year. So I'm really happy we were able to uh, to do it uh, today. Thank you for, for coming all the way from... My pleasure. Hello, pierces my heart. Barcelona. Barcelona. But I'm in Barcelona, yeah. You know what? She, she posts photos. She posts photos of her new apartment. Uh, um, roof, roof pool, roof know, garden pool. 
just keep sending a few through. <laughs> I you know, know, I'm sorry. And, you know, yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> I look forward to catching up in Adelaide when hopefully you get home for Christmas again. Well, yeah, fingers crossed. I hope so too. Thanks for having me, guys. It's been great. Thanks, Pete. Thank you, Phoebe. Cheers. I just love, I just love taking for everything. And I love, I love, she's really good. I she, yeah. look, she's great. And, and, you know, it's, it's important um, that we hear from people like Phoebe too, because she's a bit of a trailblazer. Yeah, absolutely. For Australian women working in, at the highest level of the sport. Like 100%. she said, she is the only one working in marketing and communications at World Tour level. Yeah. And I don't think there's too many other females working in different roles. There, I know there isn't. There's yeah. not, there might be some, but there's not too many. Yeah, Aussies, 100%. So, yeah, yeah. So, well done. Big kudos. Thank you, Phoebe. Okay, let's look at uh, the race that yes. we have on tonight. Uh, and of course, we have another stage, a big stage, because you are on super early on the I'm, tracker. I'm walking out that door <laughs> at the end of this, changing deodorant. I brought fresh deodorant, change a shirt. <laughs> So I don't. So Kino doesn't get angry, yeah. and I smell nice, and we are into it at seven thirty on the tracker. On the tracker, on yep. the tracker. Uh, a bit later on on Viceland and on demand. I think it's quarter past eleven. Yep. So if you want to have almost the race blow by blow, uh, it would be on the tracker. It's a great addition this year. To While you're eating your dinner, yeah. set it up on your iPad. No, it's Sunday night. There's yeah. nothing else to do anyway. So yeah. you know. Uh, anyway, yeah. 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 <laughs> there is nothing. There is literally nothing just, else to. I'm just reading some of the comments about people saying 10 weeks with Christoph and Maka." <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> right. Pain. Suck pain. it up, people. <laughs> <laughs> okay, let's look at the stage uh, that we have uh, tonight. So, what do you make of this? Yes, look, it's a. It's actually a great parkour because it lends itself to breakaway surviving, but it. It's, I think it's 40 kilometers from the top of the final climb to the finish. So it's a little way, but it just, it lends itself to a battle with the GC. And you see that little pinch at the end yep. there. I still think Odd Christian Iking will hold the red. Okay. I think they are going to, the, the big GC teams, they're still not concerned about him. So I think he will hold the red going into the rest day. And then post rest day, he's we'll got see, it's yeah. a it's a it's a sprinter stage. These these are the standings as we as we stand today. Uh, of course, we just said uh, Aiken is still in uh, the red. Uh, Jakobson doesn't really matter today. He's in green. He won't change. Bardet though is yeah, in the Yeah, we didn't mention that in uh, all the pre. No, that's yeah. why I'm bringing it here. Yeah. Bardet in the Polkadot uh, should be able to consolidate this tonight. Do you think? Because the, the big competition is with Caruso. Yeah, but uh, yeah, and I don't think Caruso's. No. He hasn't been given the full green light. No, uh, to do this, yeah, he's got a problem, Caruso. He's got a problem because he needs to help our man, Jack Haig. He does, and we've told him that, so yeah. he's listening to us. Yeah. <laughs> but, no, no, it's – and I thought he could still do both. He gets up the road, gets a few points. Uh, Jack's still got a couple of good teammates to help him, and then at least he's ahead. If something happens, he can be there to wait for Jack. Yeah. But I think they're making a call what? for him not to. Are you sure? Let's listen to Jack Hague. Let's listen Ooh, to okay. what he just said about this. Of course, I'm happy to get through all these flat stages and sort of medium mountain stages so far this week. Relatively uh, unscathed and uh, ready for the weekend now. How is your team organized uh, knowing that uh, you are an unexpected leader? That, uh, what can Mikel Landa do for you and uh, what can Caruso do for you? Well, I think obviously I may be a bit of an unexpected leader, but we just replaced myself with Mikel. We had a leader coming here and he didn't have the, the best performance so far. So it's not a big change inside the team. Uh, Caruso is obviously super strong, so I think uh, I'll be the number one priority, but obviously we have one eye on the King of the Mountain jersey as well. One eye on the King of the Mountain, but... The important bit in what he says is not this. 
he's not admitting I'm the number one in that team. But we knew this, but that's coming from the mouth under the mask, albeit. But that's coming from Jack Egg. Look, he speaks off the cuff. Yep. Um, he's pretty honest and open, isn't he? There's nothing to hide, um, which is great. It's refreshing. And um, I think what you see is what you get with Jack. And, and uh, I think that's what also makes him... It's this new, it's this new generation that, you know... They're pretty assured of themselves, and they're not—they're not overconfident. Yeah. They're just—they know where their place is, and and he's happy to now take on that sort of ownership of being the protected rider. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, there's a lot more to uh, to play on tonight. Uh, it's going to, be, going to be a great stage. I think yeah. it's going to be a great, great I mean, and the stages before the race day, today and tomorrow, are interesting. Yes, yeah. So, it's, so actually, not today. Today and the next day after yeah. the race. Yeah. I'm getting lost. The race is tomorrow. He's losing it, people, but that's okay. <laughs> I Look, think it's time to hang up. It's, yeah, well, this second rest day can't come quick enough. <laughs> yeah, I was going ahead of myself. Don't think yeah. about it. Stop. <laughs> Don't think too much. Only one rest there, only one stage, and it's this one, and it's tonight. And as early at 7.30? Uh, yes, 7.30 on the tracker. 11.15, I believe, on Viceland. Tune in, join us. And you know what? I know it's a Sunday night. Some of you got to get up for work. But most of you, work is about two steps away from your bed. Correct. So don't worry about it. <laughs> yeah. The boss won't know. Yeah. You won't tell, we, we won't tell him. We, we won't, won't tell, tell him, him anyway. We won't tell him. Yeah. Anyway, thank you for joining us. Thank you, Michael. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you, Couch Peloton. Thank you. This was the uh, Zwift Cycling Central podcast. Before we go, uh, let me remind you that you can uh, download, stream, or subscribe to our podcast on our website, sbs.com.au slash central or log a ride with our friends at Zwift. Until uh, next day, same place, same time tomorrow because... We are not taking a rest day. It's bye for now. Before we go, a quick word from our sponsors with La Vuelta is all about climbing. So why not try Geraint Thomas's athlete workout? Fun is flying uphill. A great pillar of any climbing is muscular endurance. And believe me when I say that's what you'll get. Testing yourself on training plans alongside world-class cyclists is what makes Zwift so exciting. I can't wait to show my mates the fitness I've been able to build at home. All you need is a bike, trainer, and the Zwift app. Visit Zwift.com, and I'll see you on there soon. Right on.